Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. So I would love it if you would turn in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, it should come up on the screen behind me, or you can borrow your mates. Um, I'd love it if you'd turn in your Bible to 1 John and uh, chapter 3. Now, 1 John is right at the back of the Bible. You can go all the way to the right to a book called Revelation, which is the end, and then you turn left and you come to the letters of John. And I want to talk today on this Valentine's Day about love. I can't tell you how excited I am about the opportunity that Nikki and I have to do a marriage course with anyone that's been married for a while or just got married or even just preparing to be married because um, when you begin to read the Bible and you begin to understand something about marriage, what you understand is that the Bible seems to suggest that there is no better example that we know of of the way in which God relates to humanity than this thing called marriage. There's no better example. There's no better example of the way in which we're supposed to covenant with God and the way God wants to covenant with us than this thing called marriage. And I guess I think that's why marriage is so often under attack, why marriage is such a difficult thing to do. Because if there's God, then there's an enemy of God, and the enemy of God would love to destroy everything that looks like God. Everything that looks like a picture of God. And so he gets right in the heart of relationships. So, so I would absolutely love the opportunity for as many as possible to be around the marriage course so we can just spend some time talking about how we do life together, how we do fighting together, how we do relationships together. So it's brilliant. The sad thing is this. Today is Valentine's Day. Nikki and I have been married 23, 23 years? <laughs> 23 years, I knew that. And I have never forgotten Valentine's Day before today. Totally, marriage course, very excited about it. Totally forgot Valentine's. I, I can't even tell you that I forgot it. I knew it was coming. I mean, how can you avoid it? It's everywhere. Every shop you go into, everything, every TV thing you, you, you turn on, there's Valentine's Day, and I totally forgot. And I, and I could justify it. I could say, you know, it's totally commercialized. It's Hollywoodized. It's a piece of nonsense, blah, 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 blah. It's a celebration of a saint called Valentine, 272 AD, who basically rescued Christians from imprisonment and married Christians and got his head chopped off. It's got nothing to do with cards and roses are red, violets are blue, I fancy the pants off you, or whatever the whole... I didn't just say that, did I? Do you know, you know all that kind of nonsense? I could, I could do the whole justification thing as why I'm not, but actually, bottom line is, I totally and utterly forgot difficult thing is Nikki never does. Never does. Absolutely perfect. I want to talk today about a completely and utterly different kind of love. Love of another kind. Love that is perfect. Love that is unconditional. Love that is pursuing. Love, love that prefers you. Love that is not selfish in any way, shape, or form. Love that is patient around your idiosyncrasies. 
love of, uh, of God. And I want you to turn to this passage in John, because if there's anyone in the scriptures who understands love, it's the apostle John. John was even called the beloved of God. At the age of about 95 or 100, we're not really sure because it was a long, long time ago, John was the, the last and final eyewitness of Jesus. And he was leading this church after being totally persecuted by Roman emperors, after being put on a, a, an island in exile, a place called Patmos, after being tried to be killed, he was leading a church in a town called Ephesus. It was the biggest church of the time. And the story goes that he was led out to speak at different locations and he couldn't even walk so they carried him everywhere and all he would say this was his sermon so much better than mine all he would say is beloved love one another this is the heart of the gospel God loves you love one another love one another John knew about love. He was the one who wrote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He was the one who lent his head on Jesus' chest during the Last Supper. He was the one who was there at the, at the, at the crucifixion, at the betrayal, at the resurrection. He was the one who was there and reported on the restoration of Peter. He knows all about love. And then he says this astounding thing. And all I want to do is speak from one verse of the scriptures tonight. He says this astounding thing, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Let me read that again because we're just getting one verse tonight. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. I mean, just, just spend a few minutes there with me. E even just look at the punctuation marks. See what great love the Father has lavished, that we should be called children of God, exclamation mark. And that is what we are, exclamation mark. You know, you get the impression if the Apostle John himself was physically editing this passage of Scripture, it will be way wilder than that. It will be underlined, italicized, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Are you getting this, people, that we should be called children of God? They ought to have to hose us down because we're so excited about this. This is an incredible statement. This isn't, you know, see what great love the Father's love has taught us that we should be called children of God. This is, this is, get excited, people. This is the most profound statement about love. He's making a statement about God. He's saying, listen, you maybe have an image of God. You maybe have a God who's removed or distant or angry or aggressive or out to get you. But the primary identity of God is a father. You know, in the Old Testament, the primary identity of God was probably El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, or El Elyon, God Most High, or Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord of the Angel Armies. It was all about power and might. But the Apostle John says, I've met Jesus. 
And because I've met Jesus, I want you to know the primary identity of God is Father. He's got all the other stuff stacked up as well. But it all comes in the skin of a dad. It all comes in the skin of a dad who loves you, who has your best interest at heart, who has a plan for your life that's better than the plan that you currently have for your life because he's a dad. He's not out to get you. He's out to love you. God doesn't hate you. God's not trying to trip you up. God's not trying to ruin your parade, mess with your life. God is trying to love you into a relationship with him, the relationship you were created to be in. See this love. And you are a child. Which means your primary primary identity, whatever the world says, is not the qualifications you've got. Your primary identity, whatever anyone else says about you, is not whether you're in this gang or the other gang, whether you're with the populars or the geeks or the sportos or the jocks or whatever it is. Your primary identity is not what you earn or what you drive or where you live. Whatever the adverts say, it's not your nationality or the way you vote or your leadership possession. It is position. It is not your dress size. It is not your dress size. It's not your dress size. Your primary identity is just very simply, you're a child of God. That's what the scriptures say. That's your primary identity. Whether you know it now or not, every single one of you here, whether you've come to church for the first time in your life, whether you come to church every single week, child of God, some of you realize it, some of you have activated it, some of you don't know it yet. Some of you, it's just unfulfilled potential. But that's who you are because that's who you were created to be by God who's a father. That's whose image you carry in your heart and in your life. That's why you think the way you think. That's why you drive for the things you drive. That's why you're, you're aching for the things you're aching for because God created you to know him. He's a father and you're a child. How great is his love. See, God doesn't love you dozen red roses from a supermarket and out-of-date chocolate. He loves you agape, is the Greek word. It means undeserved, unconditional, non-transactional daddy love. He's not saying, if you do this, I'll love you back. If you follow me and you keep the rules and you don't sin very much and you don't swear and you don't shout the football or whatever it is, I'll love you back. He just says, I love you because I love you because I love you because I'm your dad. It's agape love. And this love, look at, look at the scripture again. This love is lavished on you. Spread thick over. You know that word lavished is the Greek word Nutella. It's, it's like kind of not, it's not thin stuff. It's not your skimpy thin stuff that God will give you a bone every now and again and, and, and you know, throw a bone at you and say, well, you know, you've been a good lad and I have some stuff. No, no, God wants to lavish his thick, chocolatey love on you. <laughs> Because he loves you, he wants to give you abundantly more than all you can ask or imagine. He's not skimping on you. He's not out to give you a hard time just because you deserve it. He wants to lavish his... Do you feel lavished? If if you don't feel lavished by God, why don't you sit down every now and again and just do an inventory of your life? Why don't you sit down and do an inventory of your life and just say, well, how, how have I been blessed? 
Because as a culture, we tend to, to look at the negative stuff, don't we? We always tend to look at how things are going badly or how somebody else is doing better. The problem is, the issue is that we spend our time comparing rather than looking at the context. We spend our life looking at other people and, uh, and feeling as if they've got a better deal than us or, or, or they're getting paid more than us or they've been looked out for more than we've, rather than suggesting that the issue is not the comparison, the issue is the context. The issue is you have a father in heaven who loves you and you don't deserve the stuff. He just pours it out upon you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Isn't it weird how we do this stuff? You ever thought about it? You ever thought about the fact that most of us spend most of our lives comparing our worst stuff with everyone else's presenting best stuff? You ever thought about that? I spend a lot of my time comparing my worst stuff, all the stuff that I know about myself that no one else knows about myself, and all the insecurities that I have, and all the stuff that I don't have in my life, with everyone else's presenting Sunday best stuff. And then wonder why I feel bad all the time, as if it's not working for me all the time. The issue is not the comparison, the issue is the context. The issue is you have a father in heaven. The benchmark is not your mate or your rival. The benchmark is Jesus. The context is not anything other than Jesus and what he has done for you. See how much the father has loved you. How great is his love? How great is his love? His love goes way beyond rescue. It's not that God just saw you floundering around and not knowing what to do in life, so he rescued you. I mean, it is that, but it's more than that. His love goes way beyond forgiveness. It's not that you've done so many things in your life inadvertently and sometimes deliberately to run away from God and stick two fingers up at God and say, I'll, I'll do life, thank you very much, in my own strength. It's not just that. It's not just that he wants to forgive you. It's not even that he wants to clean you, but it's that he wants to include you. I mean, how cool is that? That the love of God is not just about rescue, it's about adoption. That God says, not only do I want to clean you up and forgive you and give you a clean slate and a new start, but I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to include you in my family. I want you to be my kids. I want to hang out with you. I want to whisper the secrets of heaven to you. I want, I've got a purpose for your life. I don't want you to live with purpose. You'll never have purpose in life outside of the creator because you're a creation. Have you ever thought that? You'll never have purpose in life outside of the creator because you are a creation. And I love you. This is love. This is love. And then John says something really cool. He says this love is supposed to flow. This love is not just so that you might be full. This is love is supposed to flow out of your life. Your, your life is not supposed to be some kind of vessel of the love of God. You just get fatter and fatter and fatter with the love of God. So much so that it becomes stagnant and toxic. Your life is supposed to be like a, uh, like, like a pipeline of the love of God. He's supposed to pour the stuff in constantly, constantly, constantly. He's supposed to speak truth into your life constantly. He's supposed to bring correction into your life constantly so that you would flow unblocked with the love of God so that everyone around you gets touched by the love and grace and generosity and compassion and truth and life of God. That's what's supposed to happen. I mean, that's why we come here, isn't it? That's why I bother coming here. 
I come here because I get to reset my life around the person of God. I get to, 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 to touch again the wonders of God. I get to remind my heart of who I was and who I now am and what God has done in my life so that the blockages might get cleaned out so that I might flow with the love of God and have compassion and grace and mercy and love for everyone else. That's what's supposed to happen in my life. Look, look at the passage of Scripture. The reason that the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. The reason that the world doesn't, does not know us is it didn't know him. That's what's supposed to happen. You and him are supposed to become indivisible. You're supposed to become so much like Jesus that people can't tell the difference. Identifiably indivisible. This love is supposed to flow from you and out of you and so, to the extent that you look like him so that people in Edinburgh begin to see Jesus, which sounds weirdy, weirdy, but actually it's what's supposed to happen with our lives. And Craig Miller and Leith and Portobello and North Queens Ferry and Oxgangs and Morningside and the New Town and, and, and see, they see, they see, they see, they see, they see, they see how great the love the Father has for them because they see it in you. They see how great the love the Father has for them because they see it in your compassion and your grace and your generosity and the way that you bring up your kids and the way you speak to one another and the way that you do marriage and the way that you do friendship and the way that you give of yourself to people because what they see is Jesus when they see you because you've got how great the love the Father has for you and it's touched your life and it flows through your life. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. So the fundamental question tonight is this. The fundamental question is this. Not have you felt God's love, but are you flowing with God's love? Not, not was there a deal. I mean, it's really important that there was a moment when you realize you can't do life by yourself. That's basically fundamental to everything we believe. There has to come a moment when you realize that you can't actually handle life, fix life, solve life, heal life by yourself when you were never meant to. God loves you, he has a plan for your life. And that plan is that you walk in a relationship with him and he comes and he carries you and he helps you do that stuff. I mean, that, that has to be a moment. But that's not the primary issue of the day. The primary issue is not are you full of the love of God. The primary issue is do you flow with the love of God? Is it pouring out of you? Anyone who knows me will know that I totally married up. It's not even a dispute. I'm, I'm so aware of it. I'm aware of it every day. I did really well for myself. I actually got a ring on Nikki's finger before she realized how well I had done and uh, for myself. And then here's the thing. Here's what happens in our family. I tell Nikki every morning how much I love her. I tell her every morning. I tell her every day how blessed I am that she chose me. I tell her how smart she is. I tell her how gifted she is. And I tell her how much I love her every single day. And, and you know what? Every time I can, I tell my girls the same thing. In fact, I tell them both things. I tell them how much I love my wife. And they go, oh, get a room. No, don't get a room. Ugh. 
But I tell them, I say, I, I want you to know how much I love you, how proud I am of you. And I don't do that because they are somehow insecure or I'm somehow wet and drippy or I'm insecure or I just need to make sure they are aware of this the whole time. I do it because I can see and I know that the knowledge of my love for them causes a confidence to rise up in them and a security to be built in them that enables them to fly. And I want the knowledge of my love for them to be dynamic and fresh and daily. I want them to not forget. I don't want them to be saying, well, Dad used to say that he loves me, or Carl used to say that he loves me a while ago. Why doesn't he say that stuff anymore? I want it to be daily. I want it to be dynamic for them because I know that courage leaks. I know it leaks. I know that hearts can get damaged by unspoken love. And here's the thing. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm certainly not a perfect husband. If we, if we did open mic around my life, my kids might be quickly up here to say some of the things that I don't do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm often present but absent. Does that make sense? How many of you know what I mean? Kind of, you know, you're present but absent. You know, you're there, but you're actually not there. You're watching football or something else at the time, you know, or you're, or you're answering an email or, or whatever. You know, there, there's stuff, I'm not a perfect father, but he, he is the perfect father. See how much love the father has for us. He's perfectly competent, irrepressibly loving, pursuing with his compassion. And he wants more than anything else to constantly encourage you with his love. See, he is whispering even now by his spirit, in his word, in his world, by his people, in the storm and in the circumstance, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. My son, my daughter, I love you. Because he knows what that does to your heart. He knows what that does to your confidence. He knows what that does to your security. He knows what that does to your purpose. If you get that there is a father in heaven who rules all things, controls all things, can handle all things, and his primary orientation to you is love, and he wants you to know about anything else constantly, moment by moment, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm not down on you, I don't hate you. I didn't bring these circumstances into your life to ruin you. I brought them in so that you would come back to me because I have a plan for you, and that's the best relationship. Guys, I'm not promising that life will be easy when you understand the love of God. Let's just get realistic. You're going to experience rejection and disappointment and failure. You'll have loss and you'll have pain and you'll have death and you'll have sorrow. And you'll have all that stuff alongside success and glory and blessing. But I will tell you this. If you put your hand in the hand of the one who made your hand... If you put your hand in the hand of the God who says, I am Father, you will know with utter certainty and total security that there is nothing coming down the road at you that will ever compare to this. He is the Father, and you are a child, and you are loved. You're loved. So the issue for me is not, are you full? Were you full? The issue is, do you flow? Do you flow? Do you flow? Do you know and do you flow with the love of God?
receive his love? Will you receive his love? You've got to allow him to father you. Which I know sounds like a weird concept. But it's really difficult for some of us. Because for, for some of us, I guess, life has taught us to mistrust our fathers. And whenever the Bible talks about fathers, we have a real bit of an issue because actually, if God is like my father, I don't want anything to do with God. If God is like my father or anything like my father or, or even remotely connected to my father, I don't want him to be in charge of my life. And whenever we begin to think like that, it causes us to hold on, to drive and to strive and to take things into our own hands and try and run. And instead of it being a flow, that becomes a blockage. So there being a flow, we get all bunged up with unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt and pain and scars. and It's just messy. But here's the thing. We totally got it the wrong way around. Your dad is not the model. Your dad is not the pivot point. God is. God is not the reflection of earthly fatherhood, but the perfection of fatherhood. God is the model. And you have no hope, just being blunt with you, you have no hope of emotional intelligence and relational healing until you let him father you. Until you let him do it now. See how great the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God and that is what we are not what we were, or even what we will be, but who we are. This is love. This is love. Incomparable love. For you, love. Regardless of what you've done, love.